We are called to live faithfully for Jesus 168 hours a week. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast with Brandon, Chris, and Rob. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast. My name is Chris, and I'm here with our two other co-hosts, Brother Brandon and Brother Rob. It's a good time to be here together to study the Word and and just share what God has laid on our hearts. So how are you guys doing? Doing good. How are you, brother? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm glad that you actually got to be introduced this time, Brother Rob, as Brother Brandon last time just kind of looked over you like you were chopped liver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, let's go on. And no, I'm just kidding. How you doing, brother Brandon? I'm doing you good, man. Doing well, doing well. Sorry about that, Rob. I uh, was just my mind was taken aback from that awful pun that Chris made at the beginning of the episode. So you know, I blame it on him. <laughs> oh well, you know, things happen after two children. He just start making dad jokes all the time. So. But as we are recording this episode, we're going to look at a topic that has been brought to our attention by one of our listeners, and that is the different translations of the Bible. There's a lot of uh, controversy, I would say, over many different types of translations, and some people will tell you that one translation is right over the other, and Uh, I've heard in times past that people have looked at what I was reading out of and said, you got the wrong Bible or, uh, and you know, it it just goes on from there. So we're going to be talking about translations of the Bible and I don't know, but have y'all ever heard of that being controversial where y'all are at? Oh, heck no, man. Everybody agrees. Oh, everybody (laughs) agrees. Yeah. And, And what's interesting, uh, here on this podcast, you got three pastors that actually preach out of three different translations. Uh, so I preach out of the New King James, and Brother Brandon, if I'm correct, you preach out of the ESV, right? Yeah, the only right one there is. <laughs> the only right one. And then Brother Rob, he preaches out of the CSB, correct? Yes, and that's the the Baptist right one. Yeah, that's yeah, the, the that's Baptist right, right one. And, and I'm the old school Baptist, but not too old school. So, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, with good the new balance. king. Yeah, good balance right there. So, but we're going to talk about the different types of translations. And there are three types of translations. And it's por- important to uh, understand these when we're reading the Bible because every one of them are good for the the purpose that they were written in. And so uh, we're going to talk about word for word. We're going to talk about context. And we're going to talk about paraphrase Bibles. Those are the three types of translations that you have. So we'll start with the word for word. And the word for word is known as the formal equivalents. And it's also called the literal translation as well. So those are all words that will be used to talk about the word for word translations. But the goal is on this. Yeah, you're going to get quizzed on this. But the goal of uh, formal equivalence is to reproduce as much as possible the form of the original Greek or Hebrew in the scripture, meaning they just take take that original transcript. They look at it 
and they do their best word for word to translate it into English. So what do y'all know about the word for word Bibles, which, you know, brother Brandon and I, we know a lot about it because we preach out of word for word Bibles. Uh, Brother Rob is an in-between because the CSB is actually one that's almost in its own category because it's it's kind of in-between the word-for-word word and the, the context or thought-for-thought. Thought. So, Yeah, if you can't decide which one yeah. you want, you know, CSB is good middle ground. So <laughs> Right. Um, yeah, uh, the formal equivalence translations are really, really good, I think, for personal Bible study and preaching. Because mm-hmm. as you elaborated on, Chris, they basically look at the manuscripts, the best manuscripts we have, and they try to translate it directly from that into modern English. And the King James Version, I think, is a famous example of that. And some mm-hmm. modern versions uh, would be the English Standard Version that I use, the New King James that you use. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but wouldn't the New American Standard fall into that category as well? Yes. In, in fact, uh, the New American Standard Bible is considered the most accurate uh, word-for-word right. translation other than what they call an interlinear Bible. And an interlinear Bible is literally a word-for-word. It doesn't yeah. care about our English language. It just translates it translates it as it is written as best as it can so yeah so basically if you're reading any of these translations they will be the most accurate but they might be a little harder to read it's kind of like what you were saying you know they're they all have a purpose they're all good for you know various reasons and there's Mm -hmm. advantages and disadvantages to all of them so you know, with the formal equivalence translations, like the ones we mentioned, really good for study, really good for accuracy. And I think it's good for, for readability as well, but it's not going to be as easy of a read as some of the other translations that are out there. Yeah. But yeah. all things considered, uh, very solid translations. Yeah. Well, what about you, brother Rob? What do you know about the word to word? Yeah, absolutely. So um, you guys have covered most everything. I would say one of the the cons for me, and and this is um, especially or specifically for me, I'm dyslexic and um, have have trouble with um, language in general. And and so um, if I'm just reading something if I'm reading the the Bible for like a, a casual, um, like personal Bible study, trying to be intimate with God and 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 just just hearing um, from the Word, I, I tend to um, lean on the CSB or um, something even like the NIV in order yeah. to um, to just not have to read it over and over again. I, I love the, um, I love the new King James and the English standard version. I, I actually, every time I prepare a message, I will read the King James version, um, the English standard version, the Holman Christian standard version, and then usually, uh, the NIV just mm-hmm. to, to get all of those. And then of course there's the, looking at the original Greek or the Hebrew, 
um, right. and, and breaking the words down. And so, uh, but as far as just, if I'm going to, to simply read, not necessarily for intense, like academic study or study for um, preaching or, or teaching, just, just for my casual reading, I'm going to read, uh, definitely going to read a, um, one of the in-betweens, one of the um, kind of dynamic equivalency translation that, that attempts to do both. Um, however, uh, I think it, I think it is very important to remember that the, the word for word translations are going to bring out the, the most um, accurate um, depiction of the original manuscript. Mm-hmm. It's going to have uh, the per, uh, Preservation of the form, so sentence structure tends to be better in the word for word as as far as the same structure as it is in the Greek or the Hebrew. Um, things like idioms and and different things are are more often retained in the word for word, especially right. more than a, a paraphrase, but even more than the dynamic equivalency. But um, and and so those things are important. Uh, when you're wanting to to see the nuances, especially if you're reading some of Jesus's or Paul's writing, uh, Paul's writings or Jesus's teaching, right? Because the little nuance that they add to every one of their parables or or their doctrines is is vastly important. So you want to see um, what they said in their language and 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 how that. Um, what that means for us today. Yeah. And Man. an interesting thing I too. To, hold on, hold on. I had to cut you off. I feel so bad. Um, we're roasting the Christian standard Bible uh, that Rob <laughs> uses. And he's like, I, I use it for medical reasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank anyway, you. Thank ahead, you for man. making us horrible people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, one of the cool things too, about uh, the King James version, if you read that, you'll see uh, italicized words quite often. And uh, what what that is, when you read through the King James, is that is a word that could not be translated perfectly to English. And it's, yeah. it's kind of like a guiding system to say, when you see this word, please look it up in the original language so that you can get the full understanding of this passage. Uh, and you'll notice there's not one page of the King James Bible that you'll read that you don't see words italicized there. But yeah, I've got that's a good point. I've got two uh, verses right here uh, that I'm going to read out of two different word for word translations. And the first one's the New King James. I'm going to read John three sixteen through seventeen, and I'm going to do this with each of the translations uh, that we go through, um, or the the word for word context and paraphrase pick a couple there but john three sixteen through 17 in the new king james says for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life for god did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved and in the new american standard version the 95 it says for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. And so you get a really good 
two really good translations right there that that stand out. Yeah. And most people, when you read it for word for word, they they remember that this this is you know how John three sixteen and seventeen are often memorized right. for from a word for word translation. So let's go ahead and, and go on to the context and and a lot there's a lot of controversy here because a lot of people have fought and fought over context Bibles. Now, what's interesting about uh, the CSB Bible that we were just talking about is it doesn't actually fit necessarily into the context or thought-for-thought translations. It's it's an in-between. It's kind of the word-for-word and Mm -hmm. thought-for-thought mixed together. So it's the best of, of both worlds in that. But as we go into the context... What they do is they take those words and those expressions that can't be translated exactly the same way in English from the original language and pretty much just make it make sense in context. They give you the context of what is there. And so let's, I'm going to read out of some of the context and I'm going to ask y'all about the context Bibles, but Let's go back to John 3.16. Let's look at the NIV. That's probably the most well-known context Bible there is. And John 3.16 through 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. You see that it's different there. Instead of begotten Son, it's his one and only Son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And it's a little less clunky, I would say, than than uh, the word for word. There's yeah. a lot more words in that, and it, it doesn't roll off the tongue as easy when you read it in the New King James or the New American Standard. Uh, but then you got God's word. God's word is the translation and thought for thought that is closest to paraphrase. So this is like at the the bottom of the list of the the thought for thought that it's almost a paraphrase Bible. And it says, God loved the world this way. He gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not die, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. So a lot less words, but would y'all agree with me? It, it gives us the same meaning. And either one of y'all. <laughs> yeah, we did the same thing we did last episode. Um, yeah. I would yeah. say, generally speaking, yes. Right. Generally. But yeah. at the end of the day, and this is my personal opinion, um, the individual words really do matter in yeah, definitely. coloring the interpretation, you know? Like the um, word begotten, is, I think, is very important. Yeah, and like the God's Word translation, by the way, that is a translation. <laughs> when you were saying God's word, that didn't mean all of it. You know? Right. That's a, yeah. Um, sorry. My bad. If I didn't but, uh, explain that well, <laughs> but it says there that, uh, everyone who believes in him will not die. That's a lot mm-hmm. softer than perish. Right. You yeah. Know? And, mm-hmm. and could be misleading, you know, perish to me when you, when you study the meaning of that word, I think means more than just physical death. You get the idea of judgment and mm-hmm. wrath coming upon you, wasting away in that in that sense. And right. you know, just using the simple word "die" doesn't doesn't strike you as strong, you know. But 
the general message comes across. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's one of the big things that you do lose when you switch over to a context Bible. And I'm no way condemning context Bibles uh, because I, I read out of them quite often as I, as brother Rob was saying, uh, when I sit down to have my own time of just reading the Bible, I typically read out of a thought for thought because it's easier uh, on our minds to take in what's going on. Uh, but when I preach, of course, I preach out of a word for word. Uh, and sometimes I even look at paraphrase Bibles to see, you know, how would someone else say this? And uh, so there's there's a lot to, to look at through that. But what about you, Brother Rob? What do you think about the context Bibles? Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything um, that you guys have said. So, um you got the as easy you, part then. <laughs> I know, right? As you pointed out, um, the dynamic equivalency translations like the NIV and um, the CSB are going to be somewhere in the middle. Um, mm-hmm. That's where I like to be just because, um, as you said, when you're just going thought for thought, you lose a lot of nuances. Um and I even believe that even in the NIV and the CSB, sometimes you lose nuance. Um, and so that's why I always, when I'm studying um, and not just um, trying to sp- spend time with God, with trying to wake up with his word on my mind and go to go to bed with his uh, word on my mind. I, when I'm studying, I, I, I do tend to um, read multiple translations because mm-hmm. I don't want to lose that nuance. Um, right. And uh, that's really all All I'll, I'll say is I, yeah. I, I tend not to, to go straight for a, a yeah. thought for thought. I, I try to stick with that. Well, when I, when I teach or preach through, Revel, uh, not Revelation, but Romans, uh, when I'm using a word-for-word Bible to teach or preach out of that, I've actually... One of my favorite Bibles to quote from to help people understand is a thought for thought Bible. Um, in fact, yeah. I use the NLT uh, a lot when I'm going through Romans, especially when I'm talking to kids, because the NLT puts it in a way that is more understandable for them because right. you know there's a lot of tough writing in the book of Romans that that is really difficult to translate into our language. Uh, and it's almost impossible to go through that and teach it the way it needs to be taught without every once in a while saying, hey, well, here's how the NLT says this same verse. Does this make more sense to you now? And and so, or, you know, NIV or whichever one uh, you want to use there. So our our context or our thought for thought Bibles, they, they have uh, several here. That's the New Revised Standard, the New American Bible the new international version, the NIV, uh, and the NLT, the new century version, the revised English Bible, uh, the uh, good news translation. Those are all examples of context or thought for thought Bibles. Now let's go ahead and go into the paraphrase and, and the paraphrase Bibles they're actually not considered translations of the Bible, but they're more of a, a commentary. Someone's reading it and saying, and here's 
you know, what it sounds like right here, basically. Uh, and, and when we look at the paraphrase Bible, uh, it's, you know, I could sit down and write John 3.16 out to how I think yeah. it would be better understood. And that's me paraphrasing that passage. And so I'll read a couple from the paraphrase. And the first one is the message. And this is John 3.16 through 17. And it says, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. And what's hmm. interesting, when you think about paraphrase, when I hear the word paraphrase, I want it to be shorter than what I'm thinking, but yeah, in, the, yeah. in the message, a lot of times it takes a verse that you could put in, you know, a few words and then makes it into that. But then here is the living Bible. Uh, and it's John three sixteen through 17 for God loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that anyone who believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. So there, there are two paraphrase Bibles right there. So brother Brandon, tell me a little more about the paraphrase Bibles. Well, I think you kind of hit on it already that it's basically the Bible and somebody else's own words, mm -hmm. never meant to be a reliable translation for individual word study just like somebody's commentary on it i think you may have mentioned that you know eugene peterson is responsible for coming up with the message translation and you know i reference it a lot just to kind of mm -hmm. get his thinking on different passages and you know just to be honest at some points i feel like he kind of with all due respect butchers it but then mm -hmm. in the very next verse gives me an angle that I've never seen before. Like what you just read there, mm -hmm. he says he came into the world to give a, give everyone a long lasting life. And it's like, ah, that's, you know, that could right. be taken differently than everlasting life. But I like his rendition of verse 17, where he's like, look, God didn't go through all the trouble to send his son into the world to, you know, to judge it. And mm -hmm. uh, so that's an interesting angle there. So, I would just say they're they're good um, for for study and for for reading, uh, but just be careful. They are not basing their uh, thoughts on the original manuscripts or anything like that. It's just their own spin on it. But like mm -hmm. I say, they are helpful. Another one is the J.B. Phillips New Testament. Mm -hmm. uh, J.B. Phillips, he was he was alive. Uh, during the pretty much almost all of the 1900s, he, he was born in 1906, died in 1982. And um, he uh, published the New Testament in Modern English, uh, or as it's called, the uh, J.B. Phillips New Testament. And what the neat story there is you just talked about reading the NLT for your like young folks. Mm -hmm. he, he did this paraphrase for his youth group. Oh, wow. Uh, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. And so it's really helpful, too, 
So I would just say, just really be careful. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with, with consulting these paraphrases at the end of the day. Yeah. What about you, brother Rob? Yeah. Once again, you guys are, are having all the fun. <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> um, so the the one thing to to take note of, as you guys have said, is that paraphrase translation, they do take considerable liberty um, with the text so that they can try to help people understand. Uh, and so basically a commentary. Um, yeah. One thing that I'll expand upon is is that um, no translation is the inspired word of God. Um, yes, the original yeah. language. Say it louder for the people in the back. <laughs> yeah, the the original languages are the inspired word of God. As as the pen hit the paper. And the good thing is, is that we have, because of the finding of like the Dead Sea Scrolls, we, we can see that um, that 99 point something percent of, of the words um, in our, the, the Greek and the Hebrew that we have match up with all the scrolls that we have found. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the errors are misspellings or uh, apostrophes in the wrong place, just right. Just, small things that are that don't change the meaning um and and so um the important thing is is that if you're going to to really study um you need to go beyond translations and Mm -hmm. you need to to be able to um at least use something like the blue letter bible that takes translations but then takes you into um like the interlinear where it's going to, to break it down word by word, what the, um, mm-hmm. the original text says. And, and then you can find cross reference everywhere that that word is used and every, every different translation that, that that word is translated in. One of the cool things about Hebrew, I, I, I'm not nearly um, as good with Hebrew. Um, I'm not very good with um, Greek either. That's, that's part of my, uh, part of my dyslexia it, it's it's a struggle to, to learn oh, those man. but but the blue letter bible helps me out a lot and and i'll yeah down and I'll, I'll write through it and I'll, I'll copy down the words and then i'll copy down different ways that it yeah. goes out but anyways um the the hebrew language from what i understand only had about eight thousand words um in jesus's day um mm. and wow in our we have I, I don't know English in my strong suit. You might we, we make new words point. every day. <laughs> yeah. We've we've got well over um, the English language has well over two hundred thousand. It's probably buku's more than that. But I I was I was actually doing some study on that this week and, and looking at it. But can you imagine eight thousand words um, compared to our vast vast uh, dictionary wow. of but um, how much meaning you can find in these uh, these words and the nuances and how they put them together, and so it's really important to to be able to to go beyond any of the translations. And uh, just yeah. just so I can make a few people mad that are listening, um, the sixteen eleven nobody reads it today, anyways. But the sixteen eleven oh, <laughs> is not 
God's holy inspired book. Um, it's based off of God's holy inspired book and a translation of it. Um, mm-hmm. But just like translations before it, translations after it, it's got a lot of good stuff. And it's got some stuff in it that um, that's not completely accurate. So, yeah. yeah. Did you guys go through a KGV only stage at any point? No, I, I never did. I So I grew up reading the King James Bible, and I still, uh, because I grew up reading it, I still understand it a lot better. But I, right. I have a speech problem, and it revolves all around TH. <laughs> and so it's oh, the worst. That's kind of a big deal then. <laughs> it's the worst translation for me to read aloud. So I typically stay in the New King James because that's just how I grew up reading the King James and the new King James is very similar without all of the THs there. But uh, I I never went through a King James only. I, I was around a lot of people that were King James only. And I was around some people that even said that King James was the inspired word of God and heard them even say the Greek and everything else doesn't matter. But I, I think that's a big point that, Robbie made right there is that the inspired word of God is what we used to translate things like the King James. In fact, all these Bibles, except for the paraphrase Bibles, people sat down and took the inspired word of God and translated it to the best of their ability into the English language. And that's why it is important uh, to, to, get a, a better understanding and, and look into the original languages. In fact, I don't do this with Hebrew, but anytime I preach out of the New Testament, which is written in Greek, I will sit down, I will write the whole text that I'm preaching out of in Greek and then translate each word. Uh, now, I, I can write it, I can read it, I can't tell you what half the words are, and so that's what I use like things like blue litter Bible to help me translate those. But the more I do it, the more I learn, but I won't preach out of any text without first looking at the original language. That is always where I start. And with the Hebrew, I don't write it down. I get on blue litter Bible. I copy and paste it and translate it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a good right yeah. I can't, I can't write Hebrew, nor can I even pronounce half the things <laughs> in Hebrew, but I can understand the the study materials that we have. And so if you want to get an under better understanding of God's word, you have to go beyond the English translations. You have to go into the Greek and to the Hebrew and to the Aramaic to, to better understand uh, God's word. And these translations oftentimes help us in different ways in understanding that too. And that's why it's good to use multiple translations and study. When I sit down, I start with the original language. I then read what I'm going to preach out of. I then read uh, some thought for thought Bibles and see how it puts it to see if it's going to spark my memory or my mind in a certain way to help me understand it. And even look at some of the paraphrases, as you pointed out, Brother Brandon. But no, I'm, I've never been a King James only. Uh, well, I was going to say, the only reason I ask is um, I totally sympathize with people who are because mm-hmm. I was there when I was about yeah. probably 16 years old 
when I just really hadn't looked into it. Um, I'd heard a few things about the NIV and NLT and went down a rabbit hole and, Mm -hmm. you know, got on some, some websites on the internet that were just not being truthful, you know, about the translation. So I just want to say that, um, if you are there, we love you. We wish the best for you. We're not going to judge you, but you should understand that the King James version is a translation. Yeah. It is yeah. based on and a good the, one. A great one. The yeah. thousands of manuscripts that we have. Yes, and a good one, right? Much better even than many others today. But it's based on manuscripts. And we don't have the originals. We have copies of the originals. Um, but you know, we believe God preserves his word through the ages and mm-hmm. that he can convey his message to us through these English translations, no matter how imperfect some of them might be. So anyway, I just wanted to mention that. Um, yeah. and, I will uh, say, um, not to interrupt, but I, I will say. Yeah, go ahead. Something that we have to consider as well, um, you know, even when we were growing up, Brandon's a, a little bit younger uh, than Chris and myself, but even when we were growing up, most people grew up in church. Um, and so they, they've they at least had some experience with the King James Version. Mm-hmm. Today, especially with our younger people, um, there are going to be people that have, have never been introduced uh, to this type of language. Um, right. And so to... To go and to um, to teach a you know one of our our youth out of a Bible using language that they've never heard, yeah, it, it can be yeah, difficult for them. Um, and, and it's not that, um, as you guys said, I believe uh, the story behind the King James Bible is is awesome. But as I said before. The 1611 and our modern translation of the King James are, are vastly different. I mean, I can't. Yeah, even, I, right. I really yeah. can't read the 1611. Uh, <laughs> but, I try to every once in a while. I, I got a copy of it in man, uh, but the letters the letters are even different in the 1611. You know, yeah, I, I've uh, got a copy you guys are just apostate. That's the problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, one one thing that's amazing about the King James Bible is that. This Bible is is really accurate. The King James Bible is extremely accurate. And it was written well before we had so many of these resources we have today for translation. Pretty good for its time, you know? And so I think, think, you know, that was a God send, you know, that God really helped those translators. And he helps every translator. Um, But... You know that that's a greater testament of God preserving His Word by passing it on into the English in a time where it shouldn't have been able to be translated the way it was, uh, and and so that's amazing. But have y'all ever? Do y'all know what the word "call" is? Do what? Call. C A U L. I have you know heard the, that. Okay, so there's an example of what Robbie's saying. You have no idea what that word is. That's a king. That's a word in the King James uh, version, and it means boils. Hmm. <laughs> you know, and uh, so when you read these words, a lot of times, if I were to preach out of a King James Bible, I would read a word, 
And then everybody would be like, what are they even talking about? I'm like, well, this word is talking about boils. And then this word is talking about something else. And like, I could have read the New King James Version and it would have made complete sense. And I could have gotten on to the theological understanding of it by that point. And so, Rob, you're, you're exactly right. You have You have a generation of people that grew up with a little bit of knowledge of the King James Bible and and they're comfortable with it and they like it. But now you have a generation of people that haven't grown up with any Bible in a lot of areas and to go at them with the King James, they will sit there and say, man, he spoke a different language to me Uh, because there are words that are written in the King James Bible, English words that we no longer use today and call is one of them. Uh, and I, that's what I always ask someone and someone, a lot of times, got me someone, sure. yeah, when someone says King James only, I'm like, Hey, what, what does call mean? And they're like, what? And they're like, I, I, I don't know. Is, is that that stuff, that latex stuff you put in corners and stuff? And I'm like, no, 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 not that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it means boils. It's a word in the King James. Oh, uh, and, and so, you know, over a hundred years ago, that was, you know, somewhat known. And even a hundred years ago, it wasn't greatly known. That was, that word was already transitioning out of the English, English vernacular at that time. Uh, and so, you know, these past 50 years, no one on the side of the road would typically know what that word means. But overall, um, I want to read three more verses. I'm going to read a, well, it's going to be one verse, but it's in three different Uh, translations. I'm going to read out of the New King James, which is our word for word, the NLT, which is a context and the message, which is a uh, paraphrase. And it's going to be Romans 10, 17. And this, I think this shows you the biggest difference in them. And this is a verse that I've always noticed uh, is, is largely different in between the translations, but Romans 10, 17 in the new King James. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans ten seventeen in the new living translation. So faith comes from hearing that is hearing the good news about Christ. And then Romans ten seventeen in the message. The point is before you trust, you have to listen, but unless Christ's word is preached, there's nothing to listen to. Oh, interesting. And so, so there, there's a very, good representation of the differences and uh they're all getting to the same point but as we said before the word to word really nails it down it 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 has the deeper language the context gets you the point but sometimes you lose uh some of those words that really get you thinking and then the paraphrase is well you know here's how i look at it and and so there you go. Do y'all have any last words? Um, I think we ought to mention just real fast that there are some so-called translations to probably avoid. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, and, you know, all due respect to those that, that read this, um, I'm glad to take heat for this, but, um, or strange fire, I should say. Uh, the Passion <laughs> Translation um, is kind of not a good one. That's speaking of translation, that wasn't really a great paraphrase, but um, so it's basically a translation based off of a charismatic theology 
And right. uh, I'm not even going to get into any of that. Really, I have all all respect in the world for those who are charismatic, but it's kind of like they've written it in their own language. So that one's kind of unhelpful. The other one that's much, much more, I guess, one we should mark and avoid is not really a translation at all, and that's the New World Translation put out by the Watchtower Society or Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, and we love our Jehovah's Witnesses friends. We, we respect them, but, but the New World Translation is... No. They do love us, man. Yeah, yeah knocking no. on the door. Yeah. So, uh, I got yeah. a Jehovah's Witness joke for you. <laughs> Let's hear it. Knock, knock. Oh. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah. Best one I got. So, yeah. Well, um, and <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and that, that is something to understand too, because Jehovah Witnesses, um, while I, I love all people and want them to, come to the saving knowledge and grace of God through Christ. Uh, they, they translated this in their own words to fit their own meanings. And the Jehovah witnesses do not accept Christ as the son, the literal son of God, God right. in the flesh. They, they worship him as an archangel. Uh, and, and that is that is blasphemous, and I'll I'll take the heat on that. And they don't consider themselves Christians; they consider themselves Jehovah Witnesses. Yeah, uh, something different. Like if, which if, it if is you ask different. them, yeah, if you ask them, are you a Christian? They won't say I'm a Christian. They'll say I'm a Jehovah Witness. And if you read through that, you can see it on their website. We we did a little bit of looking into it. That New World Translation, uh, it it really it really takes the identity of Jesus and washes it away. That, yeah. You know, that's well said. It, in fact, in, in John one, we were reading that, you know, uh, let's, let's go for a word to word translation and the new King James version. It says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. But in new world translation, it says that he was a little G God. Yeah. That he yeah. wasn't an equal to God or, you know, God in the flesh, but he was separated and he was in a sense higher than us, but lower than God, little G. Right. God. And, and that completely destroys the identity of Christ. And it's a blasphemous translation. And I encourage anyone that has a new world translation to get rid of it. Yeah. Right. Or I, I still have one. So my bad. Well, yeah. Like <laughs> um, if, if you're using it for educational purposes, yeah, I, I, right. I, I completely, because I have, you know, I have the book of Mormon too. I don't believe any of that yeah. stuff. Uh, I, I love Mormons. Uh, they got a lot of things wrong. <laughs> well, the, that's what I was going to say. And, yeah. and I think you would agree. Uh, I keep one for evangelistic purposes. Right. So that yeah. I can know what, yeah. my unbelieving Jehovah's Witnesses uh, friends believe. Uh, but, yeah. yeah, not one you should ever study for right. personal yeah, devotion or, you know, Bible study. It's not It's not a translation of the Christian scriptures at all. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. other than that, I, I, what about you, Rob? <laughs> last, last thing, um, so two that come to, to my mind, Mark chapter 16, John chapter five, 
Um, we've got some missing verses in some translations. Anybody want to hit on that? Yeah. Uh, well, when that that's a big controversy within context Bibles. Uh, and, and which one are you are you talking about the uh, New World Translation? Or are you talking about just the translations we were talking about? Just translation. So, for example, my the the version that I use, the Christian Standard Bible. Um, you look at John chapter five, you see verse one, verse two, verse three, and then verse five. Verse four mm-hmm. is omitted. Um, yeah. Well, in in, uh, in a context Bible, uh, as we've talked about before, they they bring everything together in the best way they can to make it understandable in the English language, uh, and where it's clunky and hard to understand in the word for word it tries to clarify it in the context and gives you the overall context. And you'll find a lot of times in the missing verses you find in context Bibles. And I was really against context Bibles for the longest time because people would say, don't you see those missing verses and stuff? But when I looked into it, I found out the reason. And they will always notate, typically, they will, I shouldn't say always, but they'll typically notate that that verse is not there. And a lot of times it's because of the verse not actually being there in the original transcripts. It's somewhere else. Like there's uh, there's a time, I can't remember exactly where this is, but it's in Matthew and it's in Mark. But remember when the disciples went out and they were unable to cast out demons in the yeah. name of Jesus and they came back to them. And in Matthew, in the your word for word translations, uh, they, Jesus explains to him, it's not because of your unfaithfulness, but these are a different type of demon and they can only be cast out by fasting and prayer. And in your context Bibles, that verse is removed in Matthew. Why? Because it was actually a notation that was there. And they just added that in. They kept the notation in the word for word translations, a lot of them at least. And it was actually a verse that was original to Mark. And so in that, it was the same instance and someone was like, okay, well, let me notate that it said this in Mark right here. And so your context will oftentimes take that out because it just wasn't there uh, to begin with. Um, And they bring that up later when you read through the book of Mark. So that that's one reason that some verses are missing. It's not that they're missing. It's just that they're put in their proper spot. Yeah, I would say don't freak out when you come across those passages because you will. It's not a big thing that happens often, but it does happen. Mm -hmm. And as you were saying, it's kind of the whole issue is there's debate on Mm -hmm. whether these passages were in the original manuscripts or not. Um, And so, like you said, usually you'll see an annotation or a footnote in that translation explaining that, you know, this this particular section or these verses are, are up for debate as as to whether or not they were in the original yeah yeah well and, and that's a big thing too with translations that that people freak out about and that is uh you know one thing that people have said well the inspired word of god isn't going to have you know missing verses and whatnot well that's why we need to go 
to the actual inspired word of God. We need to sure. study the Greek and the Hebrew because you'll, you'll find the clarifications a lot of times right there. Uh, and it, it, one big thing, for example, uh, it, what, what is, where's the, the adulterous woman at? Is that John chapter eight? It's John seven, John eight. Yeah, one of those. So like John, the, the adulterous woman, uh, we have no idea exactly where that passage goes. Uh, we know that it's a true passage. We know that that was an actual event that happened. But if you read, uh, Rob probably knows this better than us because he reads out of the CSB, but the CSB has it marked and, uh, and, and sectioned out. It still has it right there because it's a, you know, the first 12 verses of a chapter in most translations. But it says, you know, uh, we found this in several uh, several copies of the Gospels, and we don't know which of the writers wrote it. We just know that one of them wrote it, and it was, you know, put in there, and this is where it goes. And then some people might say, well, you know, when you're reading through John, should you read that there, you know, since it, we don't know if that's where it actually was. And, yeah, we should read it there. They They put it there because... Uh, it fit okay there for the moment when they were translating it. And we know that it was an actual event. We just don't know at what time that took place. Yeah. And if you have it included or excluded, it really doesn't mess with theology yeah. any. That's been my experience yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, well, now, like the whole longer ending of Mark, you mm-hmm. know, there could be. Yeah, that's a big. Mercy too to yeah, talk yeah. about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not even going to get into that, but uh, you know, that could we'll be a whole episode. Somebody else figure it out. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, to when you when you go to um, and you he made alive. That's Ephesians, uh, what chapter two, verse one, right there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so in your word to word context, or, or in your word to word Bibles, Ephesians chapter two, verse one starts out in you he made alive. But that verse in you he made alive was not there. It starts out, you were dead in your trespasses and yeah. sins. So even the word-to-word translations uh, use a little bit of context to help translate. Uh, because as you read down through Ephesians chapter 2, you, you see you know, the context of it. You, he made alive, even though you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Uh, and so when you read the CSB... Uh, specifically because I preach out of the CSB here and there, especially at youth events and things like that. Uh, In the CSB, you can't quote uh, Ephesians chapter one and you he made alive if you want to make a point about in you he made alive because it's not there. It starts out, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. So, so that, you know, there's, there's the understanding of, of missing verses. It's not that they were trying to, to hoodwink you and take some verses out to make you think that right. the Bible was saying something different. They notate what's going on uh, through these. And it's easy to, to look up and, and understand why there's a verse that's not put in, in one of the context Bibles. And if you ever find a verse and you see that it, it should probably be there, feel free to send us a message. We want to look at that too, because we're, right. we're humans and we're still learning. Uh, but as pastors, we've had to sit down and we've had to answer these questions quite often. 
And in my younger years, I would have said, stay away from those context Bibles. Uh, but now I'm old uh, at the old age of 30 years old. <laughs> and I've, I've had time to sit down and look at it. I'm like, oh, no, they're not. They're not, you know, taking away from the scripture. There is a meaning that they're trying to, to get across here. And that's why we need to understand what Bible we're reading. You know, we need to know when we're reading a word for word. We need to know when we're reading a context and we need to know when we're reading a paraphrase. And then when we know that, we're able to see some of these differences and understand why they are there and even see that they are leading to the same overall point. But I would say for word to word, that's your best translation to use for preaching and teaching um, and, you know, use it for studying as well. Context is best for reading and studying and paraphrase is really just good for studying. I wouldn't preach out of a paraphrase myself ever. Uh, I would preach out of a, a context if uh, the need arose, but I typically preach out of a word for word. Any other words y'all got? I don't think so. Nope. All right. Well, I thank each and every one of you for listening to the Faith 168 podcast today. Again, fellas, it's truly a joy to sit here and record another episode in season four of the Faith 168 podcast. And so we're going to go ahead and dismiss in prayer. And Brother Brandon, will you go ahead and dismiss us? Absolutely. Father, we thank you for your word, that your word is truth, and that is by your truth we are set free. We thank you for all these translations of scripture so that we can properly understand the message that you are conveying to us, your people. We pray you might guide us as we study your word, open our eyes to behold wondrous things out of your law as the psalmist prays. And most of all, Lord, we pray for your grace that you might help us to live faithfully for Jesus the next 168 hours of the week. And bless our listeners with that same strength as well. And we pray these things in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to the Faith 168 podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on whatever streaming platform you are using. If you have a prayer request or have a topic that you would like us to cover, message us on the Faith 168 Podcast Facebook page, and we will see you in 168 hours.